You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager, Mr. James Healy. Hello, Jim. How are you? Not too bad, Ian. How about yourself? Well, it seems seems like only a few weeks since we were last doing this and sort of reflecting on... It probably was. uh, Reflecting on the carnage that has been the last two seasons in the Toolstation Western League. But um, here we are, standing on the dawn of a new season, hopefully with uh, events in the world going in the right direction. So I think we can we can afford to be slightly more optimistic than we've been in recent weeks. John, would you agree? Yeah, I would. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, to this weekend and getting back into the swing of uh, some most welcome football. Absolutely. Well, it's good to have the podcast back and hopefully we've got a few new listeners as well with our new member clubs. That's very much a theme of our opening podcast, previewing the first round of fixtures uh, in the Toolstation Western League. We kick off on Saturday, the 31st of July, and uh, Jim and I will be taking you through those those fixtures. We also hear from our fixture secretary. Uh, George McCaffrey. He's also the league's COVID officer. So two very important hats and a man that we definitely need to be hearing from in these difficult times, because I'm sure many of the listeners will remember or will have seen on social media that many of pre-season friendlies have have fallen foul of the virus. Um, So I thought it was really important to hear what George had to say about COVID interruptions from a fixture point of view. And of course, we've got many new clubs joining us, particularly um, from the excellent county of Cornwall. And uh, what better man to take us through that than the the godfather of Southwest Sports News? It is, of course, Ross Reed. So we'll be hearing from him later on in the podcast. But we'll, we'll kick off in the first division and um, my favourite division, of course. And uh, Jim, and what games have we got coming up on Saturday? We've got a full fixture list. Amen to that one. Um, <laughs> so we'll, I'll go in alphabetical order as it is on the website. So uh, we start off with Bishop Sutton, who uh, hosts Wells City down at Lakeview. I have to say, whenever I've been to Bishop Sutton, it could be the hottest day of the year anywhere. But whenever I go to Bishop Sutton, it always rains. So fingers <laughs> crossed the rain holds off and, and it's all right down there. Uh, Bishop's Lydiard hold, hosts your boys, uh, Devizes Town. Uh, Cheddar have got uh, new boys, uh, Tetherington Rocks. I love that name. I don't think there's many teams with rocks in their name. Well, uh, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday whether whether they do or not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Uh, again, new boys, uh, Gillingham Town, uh, Gillingham Town even, not Gillingham. Gillingham Town uh, host Porter's Head. Uh, Lebec uh, against Radstock Town. Um, Oddown uh, hosting Welton. Um, new boys, AEK Bocco, travel to Oldham Abertonians. The, the biggest game of the, uh, of the day is uh, Sherborne Town, the Zebras, uh, hosting Hengrove Athletic. Uh, Warminster Town against Almondsbury. And finally, the Wasps, Wincanton Town, uh, are playing Longwell Green Sports. So some uh, mouth-watering fixtures there for us First Division lovers. Absolutely right. And uh, it would be interesting to see, of course, if Wincanton are at the races and 
haven't yes. we waited haven't we waited an awfully long time to say that right welcome back Ian <laughs> now uh, we have got the sort of the Jim Healy um stroke Yeovil Town derby going on haven't we because of course there is the connection with yourself and Sherbourne and none other than Martin McConaughey of course the secretary at Hengrove so is that going to be is that going to be is that is that the big derby is that the big grudge match at the weekend it is I think Martin's traveling down I was hoping to go down myself but we're away on holiday this weekend so I won't be attending but I'll be uh, texting Martin, giving him a bit of grief if the uh, Sherbournes, uh, his Sherbourne work went into them and get the uh, get the three points to kickstart the uh, the campaign off. Absolutely, and uh, the fixture that takes my eyes is a bit of a North East Somerset derby between um, Odd Down and Welton Rovers. Of course, Welton Rovers went exceptionally well last season. I think many people um, have got them penciled in to go well again this season, and we don't really know what sort of Odd Down we're going to be faced with. Obviously, the the side took um, voluntary relegation down from the uh, from the Premier Division. It'd be interesting to see whether that side has remained. Uh, together, in which case we would expect them to be very competitive um, this season, or whether um, there's been a change of personnel there. But I think we'll find out an awful lot about both Old Dan and Welton Rovers uh, from that uh, from that derby match. Now uh, we'll move on to our first interview, and it is with our league's fixture secretary, George McCaffrey. Now, of course, George appeared many times on the podcast in in uh, in recent seasons because um, not just because of fixtures, but also because of the uh, the coronavirus and and the restrictions. And those two themes are, are very important in the conversation that I had with uh, with George uh, recently. We started off by talking about the impact the virus has had on our pre season friendlies, and. Um, I asked George, uh, when we do get back to playing in the league campaign, what will clubs need to do if a player tests positive for the virus? Nothing has changed regarding the actual um, players having positive tests. Um, Ultimately, what um, a club will have to do is um, report that through the test and trace and um, we'll just see how that goes. Clubs will have to make their own mind up about close contact because that's still at extant sort of thing even though everything's moving on and because of the situation of the pandemic that's going on now that's very much in line of what's likely to happen at football clubs if they don't follow their own protocols as a league what we'll do is we'll review each case as it arrives Um, we've already had a couple of clubs phone us up and ask and we've asked them to go away and uh, what we're looking for is documentary evidence of the positive tests or the self-isolation requirement and then the league will make a decision on the situation going forward. So we're looking at this through the prism of football, um, but actually, I mean, this is a you know this is a societal problem, isn't it, George? And um, you know, where we're talking about players that test positive, you mentioned there that obviously you're expecting um, before you get the phone call, um, test and trace uh, get the phone call because the implications of isolating aren't just about Western League games; they're about players who work, they're about players' families, they're about you know the ability even to go down the shops, aren't they? So this is actually a much wider problem than just football. Yes, it is. And, um, but what we have to look at is the, the advice is still current from last year, and that is playing the game of football is a, a negative risk with regards to the transference of the virus. It's the surrounding events, i.e. the changing rooms, in the bar, etc., etc., and travel. 
And so, you know, we would expect the clubs to review their risk assessment that they did last year and maintain that to the levels that they think is appropriate for their club. The FA must be concerned about the situation, particularly, you know, you mentioned the pandemic going into the new season. I mean, what have they had to say to clubs about the possibility of postponing matches? They provided a guidance document and that's available for all clubs to download it and put on their websites if they wish. But it went through things like on-field adaptions for playing football and no longer required eye, the increased technical area, the multi-ball system, etc. So we don't need that. There's no limits on the number of how many can meet up. The one-metre rule has obviously been removed. But importantly, the definition of close contact remains the same. Also, we've got to wait and see what the government do about the self-isolation rules as of the 16th of August, because we don't know. But, of course, we'll have played potentially three, four games of football before then. Um, but we'll wait and see what that comes out of that. Things like face coverings, they're no longer required by law, but it's still recommended for crowded indoor settings. And a club can mandate that through their risk assessment that they require people to wear masks in the dressing rooms or in the bar. That's absolutely unless they're eating or drinking. And that's absolutely fine. Again, it may not even be our clubs because some of our clubs use facilities that are provided for them and it may be a rule of that facility that masks are to be worn. So we have to consider that. Um, Obviously, changing rooms can be used. However, all the players should use their own judgment and minimise the time that they're in there. You know, don't everybody cram in, all 16 players cram in for half an hour before the game, you know. Stagger it, rotate the number of people in there, you know, only stay in that enclosed environment for the minimum time. Um, Capacity limits have been removed, but they encourage good practice still. Uh, QR codes are no longer required by law, but we should still be using them. I still log into venues when I go to places. Um, I suppose it increases the potential for me to get pinged, but that's the way it's supposed to work. But the other thing is that they have identified that free NHS lateral flow tests are available and clubs are encouraged by the FA to take up that offer and and use that to check their players before games. I guess, though, one of the strong messages coming through from the FA, particularly for football at our level, is that they've said that positive tests don't require a postponement. Yes, absolutely. Um, Just because you've got one player who's got a positive test, we're not necessarily going to postpone the game. Um, that's no different than if they picked up an injury so as I said um, the league will review each individual situation as it occurs and it you know we will look at the factors you know that because things can vary you know some clubs have only got 16 or 20 players registered so if they come up with four or five that are not able to play it causes a problem but if you've got 60 players registered it's not such a problem so all of these factors are, will be considered. I want to pick up on one of the other things you just talked about there because you, you mentioned the fact that obviously the social distancing regulations have changed, you know, what mask wearing is now voluntary, you know, and even signing into venues is no longer required um, by, by law. But, um, you know, the, the onus has very much been put back on the clubs and back on our volunteers, isn't it? And, of course, you know, we're obviously very conscious, particularly when we go away from our 
home club, you know, the, 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 the environment, the restrictions may be different. And I guess the message to supporters this season is to be understanding and respectful of the clubs and the way that they want to proceed with the, um, with the current sort of restrictions. Absolutely. And again, it, it's a, a point I made last season, is that our volunteers are exactly that. They're there to volunteer to support the club to enable them to stage a match. They're not there to be abused, they're not there to be shouted at, and they're really only there to provide advice. They're not there as enforcers, you know, so I would encourage any volunteer to never rise to a challenge. Just provide the advice. If the people decide not to follow that advice, there's nothing we can do. We've spent all this time talking about COVID, but I guess when I when I wanted to come and speak to you at the beginning of this new season, I think we we were we were really focused on talking about the weather because particularly yeah. with the you know with the new clubs coming into the league, we know that you know the travel distances are going to be greater and therefore the potential for disruption around weather, um, amongst other things, of course, not least traffic as well, is is, is going to play a factor um, in uh, you know it, potentially in this season's um, fixtures. So I mean, what is the um, what consideration? Have you um, have you made this season when you know looking at the fixtures about um, um, you know about how the weather might affect us around the Christmas period? Well, to start with, um, obviously with the odd number of teams in each division. I, for those who don't know, we have twenty-one teams in the first division and only nineteen teams in the Premier. This means that every club will have potentially two match days without a game and I've advised the clubs that even though it's a blank Saturday in the fixture list it doesn't mean that they won't play because if we get a Covid scenario if we get a postponement for a different reason it may be that I can find them an opponent Um, I would always try and give them seven days notice but to me it's very important that we get games played and uh, we'll talk about the midweek ones in a minute. But um, with regards to what do we do about bad weather? Well, the first thing we did was we spoke to the clubs and said, really, you need to come up with a plan B. So if you know on a Wednesday that your pitch is unplayable and the forecast is dreadful for the rest of the week, do you have a plan B in place? I.e., for the Bristol clubs, could they go and play at... Um, the GFA headquarters on the AstroTurf at 6 o'clock on a Saturday when it's blank. You know, in situations like this, can they use local AstroTurf facilities or other venues that are available? So we've asked them to look at that. That was the first thing. The other aspect that we offered was that um, we said to the clubs, although none have taken it up, is that with the long-distance travel... Um, both the Cornish clubs coming up to Bristol and the Bristol clubs going down to Cornwall of the option of playing a Saturday and Sunday weekend. Um, It would take some planning, but we made that offer. But um, despite it having happened about 15 years ago and uh, some of the people who took part in that have got very good memories of their weekends away, um, no clubs have taken me up on that. So, um, you know, we're very much aware of the potential of losing games through um, bad weather and of course the point I'm trying to make is that forget the long distance travel what I don't want to do is end up 
with what I call the Buckland scenario of 12 games in 10 days at the end of the season. Because despite what we think, the FA are very fixed now. The 31st of April, that is the deadline. We will finish the season then. And to that end, what they've done is they've introduced um, specific scenarios regarding if we don't achieve 100% of games, then we'll, we've got a scenario where we can use 75% and then we use a points per game for promotion and relegation. So all of these things have been going on in the background because of that possibility. But my concern is I don't want clubs compressing their games right up at the end of the season and they're playing three, four times a week. That's not fun and it's not fair on our uh, volunteers and it's certainly not fair on the spectators because they've only got a finite budget and they've only got finite time. And is it really practical to travel, you know, on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday? And You know, so I'm very much aware of that. And um, we've spoken to the clubs and we've spoken to the match officials. We don't want Saturday postponements. Can we delay the kickoff if the weather's foul? Can we consider that? Can you consider pulling it forward if you think the, the weather's going to come in? You know, those sort of aspects. Um, because of the travel, we know what the M5 and the A30 is like and the A38. It can become a car park very quickly. So we've said to the clubs, we've said to the officials, if you are there waiting for the club and you know they're en route, then there's no limit on the kickoff time on a Saturday. Let's get the games played on the Saturday. One last question for you, George, and it's inevitable when we're looking at the fixture list and um, we all look down to see you know, who we're playing and when we're playing them. Um, I was no different um, when I was looking down at Devizes' fixtures. But if we look at, um, take the Premier Division, because obviously that, we know that where the travel is and that's where the, you know, that's where the pressure could be on, on the fixtures. And I, I'm just going to pull a, um, a club out of the air because I, I, I think probably with the Cornish clubs, we're sort of more conscious of the potential impact of disruption. And so if I look at Helston's um, fixtures I see that they're playing Saltash twice in August they've got Tavistock in early September and then again in early October now given that these are relatively local for them would these matches not have been better off in say January and February when the weather was worse um, uh, and uh, you know and these games could have ended up as perhaps midweek postponements when you look at a singular club then you can come to that conclusion but let's look at the whole situation to enable us to create spare Saturdays for the FA Cup and the FA Vars, so that prevents us having to postpone Saturday games that we've scheduled, we, we were able to clear four Saturdays for the FA Cup and four Saturdays for the FA Vars. To achieve that, we needed six midweek games. Now, if you look at that, let's stay with the Helston scenario. Obviously, Mauser will be their local Derby for Boxing Day, so they're out. So the next three clubs are Saltash, Millbrook and Tavistock. Well, in previous years, I've worked on midweek matches that I didn't really want to go above 45 miles travel. Well, each, each of those are over 70 miles, one way. That's why I needed to pull them forward. And the other thing is, I need to get those midweek games in and as clubs have always pointed out to me, we need to front load the season. And so, but the only way I can front load the season there is to get them to play those games. And, um, and the same for the Bristol clubs, because 
I'll guarantee you, if I had said, oh, right, I want um, Capri Heath to go down to Helston um, on a Tuesday in September, there would be uproar. And so, you know, it's I've tried to make it as feasible as possible so that those midweek journeys are the minimum that I can do. But even then, you know, for those guys, it's kind of tough. And it does mean that to get those six midweeks... I had to use those three local teams so twice, so they're playing each other home and away. And, of course, the way the FA Cup's gone, um, they're going to likely play each other in the FA Cup as well. And um, so, yes, they're going to become very good friends uh, in, that, in that August and September period. And um, it's, it's not ideal, and I totally agree. But, um, hey... My email's on the website. If you've got a better idea, please feel free to contact me. I'm more than welcome to consider it. George, thank you ever so much for your time. As, as always, it, it's a tricky job at the best of times, the, the fixture secretary job, because you've got literally thousands of people who, who, who think they know better. Um, but to be fair, you know, in this season and, of course, as it was last season, it's, it's even more impossible. And the fact that you wear the COVID officer's hat as well, yeah. I mean, that's probably a hat you thought you were going to get shot of quite quickly, particularly when Boris announced that all the restrictions were going to go. But it seems to me that that hat's probably more, more important now than it's ever been. Yeah, very much so. In... You know, like Boris says, it's not going away. And to that end, the FA, as I've said, have got various plans in place um, with regard to that. Because if COVID comes back and we have to go into lockdown and we can't play, what are the options? You know, and the big one is at 75% of games. That will give us a decision. But they've even gone further than that and said, well, if it's an extended period, what do we do? And they're looking at different types of competitions, half a league, you know, uh, breaking it down into uh, 10 and 9 teams in the Prem or 10 and 11 in the first and doing a smaller competition, depending when they can start, looking at when they can finish. And even though I said the 31st of April is the deadline because they've got their playoffs, you know, our second place in the Premier will go into a playoff with the... Um, third or fourth from bottom in the Southern League South division. So those playoffs have got to be played in early May. So that's why we've got to finish on the 31st of April. And so whereas we've asked for extensions in the past, we know it won't be worthwhile asking this time. So that's why we need to make sure games are played on Saturdays, they're not postponed. And if they are postponed, then hopefully it's the local ones and not the long-distance ones. George, thank you ever so much for your time, and I'm sure we'll be catching up again over the course of the season. I'm sure we will, and I've got to say, welcome to the Cornish clubs. I've been round to see them, um, and I have to say, they are so looking forward to joining our league and being part of the Tool Station Western League. Um, they are so approachable, so acceptable, it's quite remarkable. And um, I know they are looking forward to coming to our grounds, and I know that our clubs really enjoy going to play at their grounds and hopefully the traffic doesn't ruin it for us or COVID. And my thanks to George for his time. Now, moving on to an old uh, an old feature of uh, of the podcast. Uh, in, 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 in the nicest possible um, way, Jim, I, I do hope we never have to do this again because it was, it was a bit of a filler. <laughs> but um, uh, what's been going on in the Twitter sphere? <laughs> a bit of a filler, I love that. Um... I'll start off with the 
uh, Buckland um, have been tweeting about their uh, they got a memorial match in memory of Roy Holmes, um, which is taking part uh, taking place on the 29th of August. We've got a little while yet, but uh, good to publicise it. Um, so Buckland are playing Devon and Cornwall. Uh, say on the 29th of August, uh, the gates in the bar open from 12 p.m. And the best thing about it all, Ian, is uh, a free hog roast from two till four. So um, get on down there for a nice free hog roast. I think that's good enough reason. Um, obviously, the main reason is the uh, to, uh, in memory of Roy Holmes, who a lot of people in the Western League uh, know of. So yeah, that's that's the that's the main message really from from the Twitter. But obviously, there's been loads going on during pre-season, um, pre-season games taking place, and also nice seeing all of the clubhouses and uh, changing rooms being updated. Again, my boys down at Sherbourne, they had their home dressing room all done out, nice and smart. Um, and a lot of clubs have had their taken the time during pre-season to um, to update their their clubhouses and just give them a bit of a refresh which obviously now we can get them back to a bit of normality and um, people are allowed into clubhouses obviously still distancing and following all the protocols and that but um yeah clubs are making sure that they're uh will be welcoming new fans and old fans alike when uh, when we get up and running and it was also nice to see the return of an old friend um to the twitter sphere wasn't it it was yeah it's good to see the uh Tour Station, the, the fans of the Tour Station Western League return. As we all know, his, uh, his output of everything uh, Western League is pretty much second to none, really, isn't it? And his uh, preview of the season that has uh, been tweeted this week is particularly good, where he gives his predictions of um, where he thinks teams will finish. So maybe we should screenshot him and see how good he actually is. <laughs> see where they are at the end of the league but no he's definitely worth a follow with um with everything he puts into the western league and publicizing games and things like that as um yeah get back following we uh we certainly missed him when he uh departed last year but it's uh it's nice to see him back on back on twitter and building his followers up again it is, isn't it? I mean, I don't think you and I would normally be taking time out to sort of plug unofficial accounts because they, they're the sort of things that make social media managers bring you out in a cold sweat, don't they? But I, I mean, the um, the contribution that the Toolstation Western League fan site made the first time around, I thought was outstanding. It was something that we discussed. So, I mean, uh, well and truly earned his, his stripes and well and truly um, deserves a follow. That's at TSW. L fans, TSWL fans, and um, that's where you'll find um, that Twitter site. And uh, well worth a follow. Very, very good. And and I think most importantly, Jim, um, whoever it is, because of course it is anonymous, but whoever it is does social media in the right way, don't they? And uh, you know, really a sort of a wholesome account, asking some of the questions that perhaps you and I um, dare not dare not go into because of our corporate responsibility. But but you know, really done in done in the right way, and 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 makes a really positive contribution to our to our family. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like you say, goes about the, asking the questions the right way, um, isn't rude. Yeah, it's just, like you say, just done done the right way and uh, it's definitely worth a follow because it's, um, it's some really good stuff and he retweets clubs that we may miss or tweets that we may miss. Yeah, so it is it is a really good, uh, a good follow and it will keep everyone up to date. Obviously, there's ourselves as well, but being the official one, there's only certain stuff that you can can tweet and stuff that you can tweet. Whereas 
this account can tweet some other other bits and bobs as well, which is of interest to a lot of people. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now then, another account that's well worth a follow, uh, and f- frankly speaking, probably everybody already is um, following it, uh, and that is the Southwest Sports News um, Twitter account. Um, that one, of course, is um, uh, well SW Sports News, uh, and the man behind that is journalist Ross Reed, very well respected and um, uh, has a great wealth of experience and knowledge in football across the whole of the Southwest of England. So, what better man? to speak to, to talk about the upcoming season and perhaps tell us a little bit about our new member clubs. Ross, of course, joined us during the pandemic and um, we were reflecting upon what that meant for for non-league sport. But um, uh, great to speak to Ross when we've actually got some proper sport to be talking about. And of course, he's been keeping busy um, with other things, not just non-league football. So I, I asked him what shape Southwest Sports News is in coming out of the pandemic. Fantastic shape, to be honest. We um we gained four and a half thousand new followers on Twitter. The website hits have gone up. Um, I, th- I think the pandemic, uh, Plymouth Sports News, which is a little sidebar, which you don't really need to know about, but I run that that more than doubled its following. Um, but I think the amazing thing was the engagement, which, as you know, I find that's the. I was on local radio or countywide radio this morning, and that's what I was talking about: is the engagement. So, if you're um, a football fan, it's very hard to uh, engage with somebody at the FA. But um, I'm followed by a load of national governing bodies, and they can talk to me, and I can pass on, you know, you know, I can pass on to those national governing bodies if necessary messages and all sorts. So it's amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing time actually. Um, Hopefully we never see the like of it again with the pandemic and hopefully we get through this season okay. But very, very interesting as well, you know, and 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 I think it's, you know, it's like us, isn't it? The glue that, that, that bound us before is probably stronger now, you know, it's it's nice. You know, there's so many good people out there and and, and selfless people and, and volunteers and, and, and that, that's right, as you know, that's right up my street and... You know, that's why I'm a big fan of your podcast. Uh, and again, I like the fact that I think I said to you the other day, it's the Western League podcast. It's not about Ian Knockholds and you, you don't promote it that way. And it's fantastic. And I know uh, Jim Healy has a, an involvement and it, it's just great to see all these different people. Now, I'm looking forward to hearing the podcast because I, I want to hear George's interview. So that'd be great. <laughs> well, if it was the Ian Knockhold podcast, nobody'd be listening, apart from my mum, perhaps. But anyway, <laughs> we don't need to worry about that. Um, I mean, on the subject of COVID, we're not we're not out the woods yet, are we? I mean, I, I when one of the reasons I wanted to sort of get you on is um, because we were going to talk about obviously the new clubs joining the league, and when that was announced, much of the discussion was about the implications for the travel distances. But actually, where we are with the pandemic, I mean, numbers are fortunately now going in the right direction, but we've lost an awful lot of pre-season friendlies to COVID. I mean, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the Western League this season? Is it going to be the distances or is it actually going to be the virus? 
Yeah, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. You know what I'm like, I don't really like predicting anything, but I still think the pandemic could be a problem. Um, we don't know until we hit winter. We don't, we don't know. But as you say, the, the positive sign is fingers crossed that you know people are being sensible um, and, and that the numbers will reduce. But it's, it's so early to say, too early to say. As with the distances, um, I think if you enter a Western League, uh, the Peninsula League used to be called the South Western League. So I think if you enter the Western League, which I see as the West of England, um, like all other sports teams, whether they're cricket teams, hockey teams, you know, if you want to be among the best, you have to travel. And, and that's just that's just the geography of where we live, I'm afraid. I'm, I don't know if you know that about me, Ian, but I was, I, I was raised in Penzance, although I spent a lot of my time in Saltash in later life. The first five, six years of my life, I was in Penzance. So the family always knew all about traveling. We always traveled, you know, long distances to wherever. And funny enough, the regular trip we used to do was, he wasn't my uncle, but it was a, a chap called um, my uncle Larry. We just called him that. So my uncle Larry and Aunt Eileen, and they lived in Hannam. And so we would travel from Penzance to Hannam. And Larry, not my father. My father was a big rugby man. So Larry was the guy who got me into football in a big way. Not only watching uh, Bristol City and Bristol Rovers, but also on the Subudio pitch. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was a, he was a great bloke. Absolutely great bloke. So yeah, distance. You know, you've got to travel it. I, 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 know, I know that teams from Penzance have played, you know, the top, top hockey and, and what have you. And they've had to travel up to Somerset and Bristol. So... And let's face it, you know, the FA Vars has been there for years. The FA Trophy's been there at a higher level, but the FA Vars has been there for years. Uh, the FA Cup. I, I never understand it. If you want success, you have to, you know, what do you want to do? Play um, a match across the Tamar every other week or a match across the Avon. Now, if you want success, you want to test yourself against the best. And so you travel distances to do that. Well, of course, in terms of testing ourselves against the best, we were very familiar last over the last two seasons um, with the strength, certainly, of our Devon clubs and, you know, with the likes of um, Plymouth Parkway doing so well and obviously going up to the Southern League. But Tavistock had, had pushed them close. Exmouth had been performing very well. So we're well aware of the strength of those clubs. But what, what can you tell us about the Cornish sides that are joining us? Because certainly if pre-season's anything to go by, um, we've had some very interesting interesting pre-season friendly results that would suggest that those teams are going to be every bit as strong as the Devon contingent. They will be. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's the fact that, did you see that, I mean, Merzel beat Parkway 4-0 and, and though you can't read much into that, um, they had a lad, um, I'm just trying to think of his name now, Hayden Turner. Hayden, they, Hayden Turner got a hat-trick that game and Talon, Talon Mitchell got got the other goal, and I, I, I was listening to Ashy. They managed so that they're called the Seagulls. That's the nickname. Uh, they play at Paul, which is just outside of Penzance. And Mosel um, are managed by Jay Cash, who who had great success as a centre half and skipper for Truro City, playing at National League level and Southern Premier. Blah blah blah. Good player, um, and. I was listening to his interview and, and their prep, which I thought was very clever, was to play their last preseason game against Larkhall up at Bath. And so they had the coach journey and they had their, 
had to get used to the legginess at the other end and um, they only lost three two so that tells you how good they'll be um helston steve massey's helston another good side um steve's an ex-pro he played for crew and and um he's very 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 enthusiastic about football full stop and cricket funny enough he, he loves his test cricket but um they'll be well equipped they all will be. I, th I think, you know, Millbrook, Saltash, Dane Bunnies at Saltash. That was my hometown team. That's where I spent sort of the rest of my sort of growing up in my teenage years. That's where I watched a lot of football. If it wasn't Argyle, I'd be at Saltash United. Um, and they were a Western League side and they had a lot of clout. I can, I can famously remember, I think it was an FA Cup game against Yeovil and that was a cracking tie. But you know yourself, Ian, all these, yeah, it's, it, all these sort of teams. Are, um, Millbrook will be the, the sort of unknown quantity, I think, at this level. I think that's going to be really, really interesting. And I, I think um, pal of mine, Kevin Marriott, who works with with us at Southwest Sports News, he, he, he's a he's very good at on Tuesday reporter. He goes out into East Cornwall and West Cornwall and covers Cornwall for us, really. Um, He's going to sort of be a, a lot of Millbrook games, and that'll be very, very interesting. I think they're a surprise package. They're just, it'll be, I really will be interested to see how they, a bit like Ilfracombe as well, Clem Benelic up at Ilfracombe. The Bluebirds are back in the Western League. So, so sort of wrapping it up, the um, sort of the teams that are new to the league are Helston, Millbrook, and Mersel. Um, I think Helston and Mazza will be strong. Millbrook, unknown quantity. Ilfracum, unknown. Exciting. I find it all exciting. You know, I've, this is three brand new teams to the league. What could be more exciting than that? And um, and there's two teams returning to the Western League, which is another cause for celebration. But it's the fact that history, you know, I, I love that idea that history will be made at Helston, history will be made at Mersel, and history will be made at Millbrook, albeit a bit later than Saturday. Um, but yeah, when these teams stage their first home games, they're, they're literally making Cornish football history, those three teams. Well, well that's an excellent segue into looking at, at those matches. I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the, you know, these new sides to the league. Who, um, you know, who have, uh, who have they got on opening day? I think I'll do it in order, shall I? So on Saturday, Helston start at Bridport, Ilfracombe start at Bitten, so they're away, but Mausel start at home to Wellington, so that's a team down from Somerset. Um, and then Saltash United play Tavistock, which is going to be a belter, absolute belter. And, and what sort of crowd do you expect for that game? Argyle are away, so Plymouth Argyle are the biggest sort of uh, biggest football league side. Can't remember for the life of me where Parkway are, and I haven't got it to hand. But they're they're in a, they're in friendly action. So Saltash Tavistock, I think there'll be a, a few hundred there at least. And that's just at least. I think it could be more than that. Tavistock have had a turnover of players. Saltash, very exciting side, done very well in pre-season. Um, Stu Henderson. Stu Henderson will, you know, the Tavistock manager will know a lot about Dane Bunny's Saltash and vice versa. So that is that's as near as it comes to a local derby for those two sides um, on the opening day. Although it it could be said that Millbrook's just around the corner in East Cornwall from Saltash. 
That'll be interesting. Because <laughs> so. Stuart Henderson has won a lot of admirers during his time in the Western League. I think people, you know, Tavistock is one yeah. of those sides that people take very seriously. Stuart goes about his business in a in a very impressive way. So he's now a known quantity. You know, they're 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 they're, uh, they're no longer able to go under the radar or even under the. Um, no. Uh, in the you know in the coattails of of Plymouth Parkway, I think they'll be very much seen as as the as the as the heir apparent now. But I mean, do you think it's as, as straightforward as that? In recent seasons, we've seen you know Parkway dominate the league, albeit that there have been clubs like Bitten and Tavistock and Exmouth that have have been fighting with them at the top of the table. C- can we see that 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 coming becoming a lot closer now? Do you think with the teams, not just the teams from Devon, but also the ones from Cornwall you mentioned? I mean, we're really looking at now not just a top three or a top four. We're looking at a top eight, potentially, if you throw Bridgewater and Bitten into the mix as well. You know, as many as 10 teams that could really have a good stab at winning this division. Yeah, I, I think there's 19 teams in. I really do. On opening day, I think there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of... I hear what you're saying. There are, you know, the Bittens, the Bridgewaters... I suppose I've still got that enthusiasm at the start of every season. I, I like to think, you know, like like the Premier League, somebody will come out of the... And I'm not a big fan of football at that level anyway. So I find this level much more exciting. And I'd like to think that there's going to be a surprise package in there. And that's why I'm interested to see what Millbrook and what Ilford can do. Um, and, and, and you didn't mention Exmouth. You know, as you said, like top eight, you've got to chuck Exmouth back in there. Yeah, tire stock in there, but you know, it's it's just and I won't apologize for it because there's no reason to, but it's it's just extremely exciting. It's going to be an exciting opening. Um, and then and then of course in midweek you've got Ilfracombe playing Tavistock, so they're at home, and you've got Millbrook, their first home game against Mausel, and then on the Wednesday, that's on the Tuesday night, and then on the Wednesday, you've got Helston playing their first ever Western League home match against Saltash United. So in that first week, I think um, it's going to be, you know, just I think I think the Twitter feed might through the roof. Well, I certainly hope it does, and I think one of the interesting we saw things we've seen since the new lineup um, has been announced is obviously the the the, the clubs. Um, social media presence and um, I think um, Steve Massey is uh, has immediately become um, a sort of a fixture in the Western League because um, he's had some very entertaining appearances uh, on on YouTube and which have appeared on our uh, on, on you know on our um, social media feed and I mean that's one way of course to get to know um, our new clubs and to get to know our new managers I mean it, it doesn't surprise you clearly that uh, that Steve's already sort of um um, um um, cutting quite a figure for himself in the Western League. Not at all. No, not not at all. As you say, um, without going into Steve's sort of character um, too much, uh, all the teams that, you know, Dane's on, uh, I think Dane's on, on social media. Uh, Mark Pratton, the Millbrook chairman, is very busy on social media. Um, the Mosel social media feed is superb. Um, I think this is a great thing. that Those, those teams have come up on especially Twitter um, they've already been involved with it heavily in the in the Cornwall football scene and at Ilfracombe as well Clem Benelic's side up, up there in North Devon the Bluebirds they um, you know they're busy on social media so I think I think that is a good thing I think it, I hope you're going to tell me that you know 
if you you talked about the season ahead and who I think will be where, but what I'd love to see is, which I think I am seeing anyway, is the engagement of all the Western League teams on Twitter. It's, you know, it's been incredible during the pandemic. So long may that continue, especially when the games start. And, you know, we've had all that stop, start, stop, start, you know, and are the fans allowed in, aren't they? You know, blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't it be lovely if we can just get on with it now and, and sort of no stop start and, and really just get back to talking about the football again and tweeting about the football and and, and good fun with it as well, you know. Um, I think that's what it needs. Absolutely. I think that's an incredibly positive um, message um, to finish on. But I'm not just going to finish just there yet, Ross, because just for just in case there are a few people out there who still haven't come across Southwest Sports News. Can you tell us a little bit about the news and the results service that you you're going to be running over the course of this season? What can followers of your Twitter feed and visitors to your website be expecting um, at, at the dawn of this new season? Um, what they can expect is we, we carry all the sort of um, Western League results and fixtures, but um, uh, and we carry Southern League, um, you know, we carry all the regional leagues essentially, their fixtures and results. And the amazing thing about being online and the web, which opposed to when I used to work in newspapers, the amazing thing we can do is we can update those fixtures. So if a game's postponed for whatever reason, and you know the winters we get anyway, we haven't even talked about that, the winters we get, or we, we can update fixtures and results, you know, at the drop of a hat. It's, it's, it's incredible to be sat where I am behind the back end of the site and, you know, get a tweet from whoever, a team, you know, knock old United, telling me that they're not going to make it to... Um, to, to Salt Dash or wherever. Um, and then we can update the fixtures and let fans know, and let travelling fans know as soon as possible. So that's what you can expect from us. And, and you can also expect engagement. Um, and it's great to see that the Tool Station Western League fans Twitter is back, <laughs> Mr. Anonymous. Um, but it's great to see that he or she is back uh, on, on, on Twitter again an excellent preview i recommend anyone to go and find it an excellent preview on their twitter account today um which is tuesday so you'll be able to find it on their timeline and i'm sure you know it's easy to find if you if you type in i think it's dswl fans and that's well worth following and my thanks to ross for his time and hopefully you'll be hearing some more from Ross throughout the season as well. Now then, Jim, and um, before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, let's cast our eye down the um, down the Premier Division um, fixtures. Obviously, Ross um, previewed quite a few of the games for our new clubs, but um, um, if we uh, we take it from the top, do you want to do you want to take us through Saturday, the thirty first of July's fixtures? Yeah, well, do I feel a bit like Des Lynham years ago on grandstand, you know? Uh, so we'll start off with. Uh... <laughs> Bitten hosting Ilfracoon Town, Bridgewater United, not town this year, they're now Bridgewater United. Uh, they are playing Buckland Athletic at Fairfast Park. Uh, Bridport um, playing Helston, New Boys Helston Athletic, travel to Dorset. Uh, Cabri Heath against Shepton Mallet. Exmouth Town versus Clevedon Town. That one stands out for me, that one. Cainton mm-hmm. um, Town. Um, uh, hosting Ashton and Backwell, who have just been promoted, so good luck to them. Uh, Mousel uh, will play Wellington. New Boys Salt Ash United play Tavistock. 
And finally, Street play Brislington. Now, you, you know the mark of a good restaurant is one where, you know, you look down the menu and you think, actually, I could eat anything on this menu. <laughs> and that's very much how I'm feeling about Saturday's fixtures. I, you know, I'm incredibly proud um, of the Western League because, frankly, I think any of those games would be worth a watch. Absolutely fantastic opening day uh, worth of football. I mean, do, do you want to, can, can you pick out any sides? I know you met, you quite rightly mentioned um, Exmouth Cleveland. I think that's going to be a fantastic game. But I mean, are there any other guy, games there that um, that catch your eye? Pretty much in agreement with you there. I think all of them. Yeah. If I could, I would happily go to any of those games, go and have a bothrow and watch any of them. Um, I think one of the interesting ones maybe is Salt Ash against Tavistock. Yeah. Um, that does split, that does stand out. Um, but as I said, Exmouth Clevedon uh, for me, I think jumps out from all of them because last year they were both. I watched both of those sides a couple of times last year, and they were both really good sides. So it'll be interesting to see where they're at at the start of this season. Yeah, I mean, so many unknown quantities, aren't there, for us? Because we, you know, we aren't familiar with these sides. I mean, we're expecting Helston to go well. Bitten, we always expect them to, to to go well, and and you know, they've been busy in the transfer market again. Be interesting to see how they get on against new boys Ilfracoon, because historically, I think Bitten's in in um, inconsistency has been their Achilles heel. We know that on their day they're a good side, but in order to get um, honours this season, I think Bitten are going to have to be winning um, week in week out. Um, um, you know, um, Mouse will obviously open their account at home against uh, against Wellington. I'm sure they'll be looking to get off um, the mark with a you know with a win there. Uh, and then you you know you, we've got I mean I hesitate to say a mid-table sort of battle, but you know we we know that there are going to be um, sides competing at the top, middle, and bottom of the um, of the division this season. And you know, Cabri Heath against Shepton Mallet, that's got one of those. Um, feels about it as well you know I think those either one of those sides will be targeting that that um, uh, that fixture for an early win in exactly the same way as Canesham and Ashton and Batwell with so um, you know so really absolutely from top to bottom there it's a mouth-watering prospect I do hope we get the um, the crowds um, that the uh, that we deserve it'd be fascinating to see how much the football family comes back to support football because it's been so long since we've been able to enjoy it but um, well, we'll be bringing you all of the results and news from the Western League over the coming weeks and hopefully over the rest of the of the season and and also we'll um, hope we're really looking forward to the return of the of the Tool Station Western League Bulletin of course edited by Tom Hiscock um, James has been ably deputising for Tom um, as we've had no football but I'm very much looking forward to welcoming Tom back to the podcast so he can uh, he can he can inform us with all the facts and figures um, as our uh, you know, as our season progresses. So you've got that to look forward to on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.